This is the Watch Post podcast, which you'll find at watchpost.org. Well, good morning and welcome back to the Watch Post podcast. My name is Mel Black. Today, I want to talk about living worthy of the kingdom of God. Um, There's a few things we're going to talk about today, um, specifically how we kind of develop a wrong doctrine um, when we think that it is not our duty to live worthy of Christ's kingdom, that his grace, uh, that the grace of the gospel somehow um, takes away the responsibility to live worthy of the kingdom and how the two of these things come together, the atonement of Christ, the salvation of Christ through faith um, comes together with uh, a life lived in obedience to God, in submission to God, and how these two come together as our salvation. And we as Christians are called to live worthy of the kingdom. What we should understand um, at the start is that when we are converted, when we um, take Christ as our Savior, we are committing a vow to Christ. We are are committing our lives to Him, and we are vowing an obedience to Jesus as Lord. We are vowing um, Him as our Savior, but at the same time as our Lord, that we are committed to turning from our sin. We are committed to turn from the the sin that we have been pardoned for in Christ and, and to walk now in newness of life. And often we represent uh, in the church a, a gospel that is severed in half. And we we kind of fall into believing that as long as we're preaching this grace, that, that we are right with God. And so we end up having a gospel that is severed um, in the name of grace from a life that, from a call to live truly holy, a life that is really responsible to put off sin and to walk now in obedience to God. And what happens is we kind of have two halves of the gospel where we have, you know, this this being saved by faith alone through grace and that of walking in good works, walking in um, being worthy of the kingdom. And we often only see one of them at a time instead of both of them together. So commonly we talk a lot about how you know we don't earn our salvation we don't do works for salvation and we're pretty uh, familiar with that doctrine today where so many people um, have tried to earn their salvation out of their own righteousness and we don't claim our own righteousness we claim the righteousness of Christ but the other half that is severed today that is very common and we we don't correct this nearly as much which is um, we are saved by grace alone but we must go on to truly walk in holiness that we must go on to separate from the world that we must go on to have our minds uh, renewed that we must have our lives entirely submitted to Christ and this is the process of sanctification so the two halves that exist are, you know, the one half of, of salvation through Christ alone, through his atonement. Um, and then the second half is going on in 
works. It's it's going on um, in the works of good works, the, the righteousness of Christ being lived out where we're sanctified. And so those who, you know, try to earn their salvation are generally looking at this aspect of works um, and they're they're foregoing the, the the aspect of being saved by grace alone, by Christ alone in his righteousness alone. And so we talk a lot about how, you know, how foolish those people are and how wrong they are. But we are also foolish when we take grace to be some sort of contradiction to going on um, in good works. And if we are not daily walking in that sanctification, um, then we are walking contrary to the salvation of God. And God does say that while we are saved by grace alone, he also says that we must be worthy of the kingdom and that we must, you know, um, that if we live in these sins, then we will not inherit the kingdom of God. And both of these, these messages are clear in scripture, and yet we continue to deny um, the, the call to be worthy, the call to you know put off sin and we and we continue to deny them in the name of grace um, and I want to talk today about how this is desperately unbiblical and how it is contrary to the true purpose that God has intended through Christ um, and if we are to be faithful if we are to truly be God's children um, we need to contend against this fault false doctrine as well let's look firstly at Titus 2, 11 through 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared. This is the grace of God, bringing salvation for all people. What is God's salvation? Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. There continues to be this, you know, grace-only doctrine in the church, and, and many Many people preach it and they believe it um, and they don't care or understand how it's so contrary to holiness, how it's so contrary to what God has done in Christ. Because what God has done in Jesus is he has condescended to the, the greatest degree to raise us up out of our sin. So we don't have any righteousness of our own. We don't have the ability to atone for our sins. And he's given Christ in order to atone for our sins, in order to justify us before God. This is something we could never do out of ourselves. But this also goes on. This goes on to bring us into a holy life, to bring us into submission to God, out of this rebellion, out of our corruption, our worldliness, our deadness to God. Um, and this is the completion of holiness. Um, and today, so many people talk about, you know, the, the wonderful beauty of, you know, being atoned for by Christ, but they live these, these godless lives. They live, you know, this lukewarm Christianity. They live in this ignorance of God. And they think that it's beautiful because they're so self-satisfied. They're so deceived and they don't see just how much they reek of self. They reek of pride and ignorance and foolishness. And yet they continue to 
think that they're so um, devout, that they're so loving of Christ, and they don't see that it's rooted in a false belief of what God's grace is. So we need to see that a partial gospel isn't beautiful. It's, it's disgusting. It's gross to have um, people who live in their, their self. They live in their sin and they talk all day long about how beautiful it is that they're forgiven while they just continue to go on um, and live in this disgusting way of, of self appeasement and, you know, being satisfied with themselves and thinking they're so wise and they're so this and that, um, and, and, and ministering this in God's name and thinking that they are, you know, glorifying God by their works. They, they don't see how absolutely ugly and disgusting their mentality is and how this is actually contrary to the true gospel. These people believe that they're just, you know, so standing for um, righteousness by Christ, uh, righteousness and faith alone in Jesus and how this alone is salvation. And they, they really believe that they're contending for the truth. But the motivation in their heart is, is really to put off the expectations to obey God. The, the expectation to really lay ourselves down and die and be changed. And, and, you know, if we really look at this, when we, we say, you know, it's only Christ and his righteousness that atones for us. It's only Christ and his righteousness that, you know, can his merits that have, have made a way for us. How does it make sense then that we just go on to live our lives in a pathetic morality at best, a half, you know, religious life marked by ignorance and lukewarmness, though we don't see it, um, filled with self, you know, how does, how does that match? Um, the righteousness of Christ. That's what we need to see is our life after salvation is meant to match the righteousness of Christ. And this is what we are clinging to him for, his ability by his righteousness to raise us up out of self, out of sin, out of ignorance of God. And only the lifestyle that is walking daily deeper in that matches the salvation of Jesus in the first place, his righteousness. We claim to stand for, you know, the, the merits of Christ alone and, you know, grace alone, but our life is no better in, you know, righteousness than a Mormon's or a, a new ager. Then, then really, are we living to the glory of God? We're not. We are filled with self. We are filled with self-deception and ignorance. But contrary to this, we are, we are to live worthy of the kingdom. And this is where we understand the gospel of God to be just, to be beautiful, to be wonderful. Because as God reaches to us in our utter inability. There's nothing that we can do of ourselves. He fully reaches down to us. I kind of picture like um, an accessibility ramp, you know, for a wheelchair, how it has to come down, you know, all the way down to a millimeter for that, that wheelchair to, to go on, to go up that ramp. And that's what God does for us. He reaches down to us so fully enabling true salvation, but it, it reaches up. It goes on to holiness. It goes on, um, not of a holiness of ourselves, but in the holiness of Christ to live out, um, a godly life in in this present age, a life of religion, a life of devotion. And so this is the beauty of the gospel, this complete 
picture and when we only have part of it it's it's disgusting it's hideous it's an offense and this is so often what we're, we're pre preaching in christ's name where we're saying oh look how beautiful this is oh i'm so unworthy and i'm just forgiven um, but i just go on in my sin but oh it's beautiful it's a stench it's an offense to the world and and we so often think that people are offended at the gospel but they're offended at our sin our ideas of injustice because when christ forgives us in his blood when he he cleanses us with his atonement and we are covered in his merit um, and so our sins are paid for and then we also go on to turn from our sins then this is just this is just forgiveness this is a just um salvation of God. And when we refuse to go on in, in that justice, then when we refuse to go on in that true sanctification, then it's it's not just. It's not um, a beautiful thing, and that's what we need to see. And so we often do not live worthy of the kingdom of God because we are rooted in this false doctrine. We are rooted in an idea of salvation that doesn't require us to change. It doesn't you know, require a, a true sanctification. And we think, you know, we would never claim this. You know, we'd always say, oh, no, God, you know, we have to change. You know, we have to be, you know, live better lives. You know, we, we kind of settle for our little pathetic morality that we think is appeasing to God, which is nothing more than a product of ourselves, while we continue to claim that we're not clinging to anything of ourselves, um, but we're just clinging to Jesus. But anyways, um, you know, we, we, we try and, you know, design it of our own thinking. We, we make the rules uh, for ourselves and live by them while claiming to live um, according to what Jesus has determined. But no, we have to go on um, in what Christ lays out in his scriptures to live a worthy life. And this is the calling of the saint. We are to live worthy of his kingdom every single day day pressing after what it means to put off this world to put off uh, you know godlessness and and to put our eyes upon Jesus to be actually changed to not settle for this pathetic um, moral ideas that we have that are rooted in worldliness, but to actually walk into true holiness. And see, this is what's available in Jesus. And this is what we spurn all the time because we refuse to obey him. If we would obey him, we would begin to see just how vastly different uh, the holiness of God is with the, the little minimal moralities that we choose instead of him, instead of the standards of Christ. We should see that every single thing that the past, you know, godly men and women have had are actually ours. What Paul had is yours if you will live after it. Many of us want, you know, we want the glory. No one doesn't want the glory. No one was, doesn't want to be, you know, worthy of the kingdom. But ultimately, they want to have the glory without the work. And this is exactly what we're warned of. You know, Jesus says in, in 2 Thessalonians that he's going to come to be glorified in his saints on that day. We are to represent the glory of Christ and we want that day. 
And yet we live every single day refusing to be worthy of it, refusing to give what it takes to be worthy of that day. And this is what's supposed to mark us, what we are supposed to be thinking upon daily of how to be worthy of Jesus, how to be worthy of his glory and to glorify him in our lives, lives that are given to him in in devotion and obedience. And this is what we need to see is that when we refuse to live worthy of the kingdom, then we, we have absolute contempt upon Christ. We have contempt upon his glory, a contempt upon justice and goodness and righteousness. Because if you live your life and you're not giving yourself to have integrity towards God and true religion, you're not giving yourself towards, you know, being sanctified each day and pursuing that holiness, then you don't actually love those things. You don't actually care about those things. And this means that you are unjust in your affections, that you love the idea of what it, of being worthy, but you don't actually love the work that it takes to be worthy. You don't actually love the actions of what it means to fulfill justice. You just like the idea of justice. And this is the warning for us. We love the ideas of, you know, heroism. We love the ideas of glory and, you know, worthiness, but we never love the work that it takes. And this is the gross uh, breakdown inside of our hearts. It's such great presumption. And this presumption fills the church today. You know, we want to, you know, talk about how, oh, we're so loved by God and how we're so forgiven and we're, you know, this and that and how we're going to go to heaven. But we never want to be worthy of that. We never want to be worthy of Christ who has died for us. We never want to do the work that it takes each day to live a holy life. And yet we want the reward of having lived a holy life. You know, that's the injustice that's so commonly fills the hearts of Christians and they and they they claim that that's a love of grace it's a stench to say that such things is is grace when it's it's contrary to justice and it, and it reveals our hearts are corrupt it reveals um, the injustice and the unrighteousness in our hearts I'm going to now go through several scriptures to illustrate the Bible clearly calling us to live a worthy life, um, starting with Matthew ten thirty eight, And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Going on to Colossians 1, 9 through 10, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So here is a description of what it means to live worthy to pursue these things. Going on to 1 John 2, 15-17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. 
going on to Ephesians 4, 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, we exhort each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Going on to Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. The last verse I want to use here is 2 Thessalonians 1.5. It says, This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. If you look at 2 Thessalonians, it's talking a lot about how the Christians are suffering and they are facing this persecution. But when God's judgment comes, he is going to relieve them of their suffering and and um, he is going to judge those who persecuted them. And this is the work of God's judgment so that he is just in his judgment. And so this is part of what we should see is a concern, a great concern that we should have that God's judgment where he, he saves us and he sets us in his kingdom is a just judgment. This is the mentality that we are supposed to have, where we are continuously striving after holiness, striving to be patient in suffering, being patient against evil, because we are looking to the day of God's judgment. And we are we're contending after these things that God will be just in his judgment of us, where, where we will be presented before him blameless, where we are presented before him having put off all of our sins having walked now in godliness and his judgment of us is just to speak nothing of you know that God will not contradict himself if it's not just for God to place you in his kingdom what do you think is going to happen to you you know there's there's a lot of warning in scripture about that but we should focus in upon being worthy of his kingdom being worthy of a righteous judgment of God where he saves us when he judges the world for their sin for those who refuse Christ and rejected him we should be aiming after that blamelessness um, in, in light of a love of God's judgment and his justice Looking at 2 Thessalonians 1.11, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good in every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to be a part of Jesus' glory. And this means that we need to be worthy of it. We need to be worthy of what he has done for us. He has died for us and he has purchased our redemption. Our redemption is holiness. It is a turning from sin and it, it's looking towards his glory and where we glorify him by our lives being changed. You know, we think that we glorify God by, you know, preaching and, you know, missionary work. And those things certainly do glorify God when they're done with a right heart. But be, glorifying God is, is taking this 
work of the scriptures and walking in that sanctifying work in, in the inner man where we are truly changed, where we put off um, our rebellion against God, where we put off our selfishness and our pursuit of self-pleasure and we live for God now and whatever he, he deems us to live for. And it's, it's that work within our hearts that is what's needed daily that we, we strive after, where we give ourselves to prayer as he has, he has called us to pray. We give ourselves to faith and we give ourselves to the good works that he sets before us to do. This is the way we are to glorify God. And, and we need to see that our efforts are to be looking towards that, that last day where, where it says that Jesus comes to be glorified with his saints and in his saints. Um, we are to be looking towards that and, and diligently working to be you know, worthy of his kingdom and to be cleansed of sin um, for his glory, for his sake. You know, how is it just that a person who doesn't run a, a race is, is crowned with a gold medal? You know, if we saw that happen in the Olympics where somebody literally didn't even run in the race, um, but, you know, through bias or whatever, you know, the judge, you know, crowns them with a gold medal. I mean, every everyone would be losing their minds. You know, if somebody wanted a, to own a house and they walked into a realtor's office and they said, oh, I want this house. And they're like, OK, well, you know, how much money are you going to use for a down payment? They're like, oh, no. I'm not going to pay for it. I just want the house. You know, they would be like, are you out of your mind? Are, are you crazy? And how unjust, how presumptuous that you expect that. And this is what we need to see is we're often trying to claim in spiritual matters, in Christianity, the same exact thing and yet call it beautiful, call it grace. It's gross and it's a great, great injustice. The last thing I will leave us on with this is going to be found in 2 Timothy 2, um, verses 11 through 13. It says, this, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Uh, Ellicott I think that's how you say his name, uh, his commentary on this verse, he's on verse 13, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. He says, um, those who have understood these words as containing soothing, comforting voices for the sinner, for the faithless Christian who has left his first love are gravely mistaken. The passage is one of distinct severity, even may be termed one of the sternest in the book of life, for it tells how it is impossible even for the pitiful redeemer to forgive in the future life. He cannot deny himself, cannot treat the faithless as though he were faithful, cannot act as though faithfulness and faithlessness were one and the same. And this is, this is what we need to see is this duality of living worthy of the kingdom. Yes, God's promises are real. Yes, his salvation reaches all the way down to us to help us, um, to raise us up. And we're not, you know, you're not looking to yourself to have this, this uh, righteous power to live worthy of his kingdom. You're looking to Jesus, always looking to Jesus 
But we need to stop believing this lie that it's beautiful to call faithlessness the same thing as faithful. To stop believing that this is this is the heart of Jesus when scripture after scripture after scripture contradict this thinking. This is the idea of mercy that comes from the world. It does not come from Christ. This is not what the scripture tells us. It is beautiful in God's eyes that we live worthy of his kingdom, that the salvation of Christ is matched with a worthy life lived after him, and that those people inherit the kingdom of God. So the salvation of God, um, the work of Christ, is matched with a life that is lived worthy. And again, you know, this will be a very fearful thing if you think that it's up to your strength, right? So if we think that it's our job to save ourselves rather than the grace of God, the merits of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the atonement of Christ, um, if we feel that we have to look at ourselves for these things, then we will be fearful. And this is often, I think, what happens with people is they, they look at these scriptures and they see that they're called to live a worthy life. And partly, they deny these scriptures because they're so afraid of the, the severe standard of God. But again, look to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who is able to do this, but he is able to do this. And as we depend upon God to, to be the strength of our life, we have to understand that the duality for the Christian faith is, is trusting God to be the, the guarding, the strengthening of our life while we also give every effort where we we strive to enter into what God is telling us and this is the Christian life we're not looking to ourselves and our own righteousness but neither are we daring to be idle we are to give every effort after Christ and if we are faithful to trust Christ but also um, strive after the things of God then we will be kept safe and we will inherit the kingdom of God I will quickly turn to 2 Peter 1. It says here, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, this is clearly illustrating how we, we understand that our sins have been cleansed and forgiven, and yet we are diligently giving every effort to strive after these things, to be worthy of the kingdom. And in that, we, we are assured of the salvation of God, the richly provided entrance into the kingdom of God. So as always, I hope these things have been a help to you, and I will see you in the next episode. Take care. For more content like this, visit watchpost.org.